Hello and welcome to the latest installment of the Geekscape Book Club. As always, I am Christian Blatt, and today we're speaking about Jeff Loeb, Tim Sale, Batman the Long Halloween, which for our visual audience, the book is uh, disappearing into my virtual background, but that's okay. Uh, that is our topic today and joined once again by Garrett Briones. Garrett, thank you for being here with us. Of course, I love Halloween. I love when it's long, so I had to be here for it. <laughs> it's it, it, and this one's very long, and uh, <laughs> of course, Eric Connor uh, identified on screen as Calendar Boy, uh, which we <laughs> very much appreciate. Uh, now, uh, Eric, I believe, like myself, you had not uh, previously read this story. Is that correct? Uh, completely correct, and I'll say this has. We've done a lot of really cool books. This is as good as any of them, I thought. Uh, this was such a great read. So thank you for bringing this into my life. Yeah, I, uh, you know, our, our fearless leader over at Geekscape, uh, Jonathan London, was horrified that I had never read this book. And uh, I always feel like there's times where I need to give simple explanations as to why I had never read anything before. Uh, one, this is a DC book, and uh, I had read very few DC books in my active comic collecting days. Also, this came out 1995, 1996, when I was drastically scaling back uh, the comics. that I wasn't even reading Spider-Man at this point. I was really just reading X-Men books, and uh, it was more out of a sense of loyalty. But Garrett, you, of course, had read this before, correct? Yes, I read it for the first time last year. That was my, uh, you know, it was a, it was a big blind spot, and I thought I had to finally fill that one. Well, good for you that you did, uh, because obviously it's, uh, you know, and and I had uh, I had wanted to do this last year, but you know, our first uh, Geekscape book club was Batman Year One, and I really thought we shouldn't uh, dip into a, you know a similar style book, and obviously they're very different. However they do both cover the early part of Batman's uh, career, you know, and I think it was reading a little bit about it is this is kind of considered canon that replaces a lot of Batman year two, uh, mm -hmm. at least by some people's esteem. I don't think that's official. It, they just feel like it's more like that. And, you know, just reading the book and it, you know, you can see that, Christopher Nolan pulled uh, some inspiration from this, especially lot, with actually. the featuring of Harvey Dent and uh, Matt Reeves also for the Batman. I think the, the feel for this is very similar to that. Obviously the, the adversaries and all that is completely different. So a, a lot of Batman sort of content and some of it, it's just the, the visuals and some of the looks I think were very much uh, shaped by this. Uh, when you first read it last year, Garrett, what what struck you the most about uh, Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale's Batman: The Long Halloween? So for me, I think my you know bat the thing I I've always loved about Batman is in a similar way to uh, to Daredevil over at Marvel, he is so many different things for so many different people. He's the world's greatest detective. He's a ninja. He is a, you know just a brawling crime fighter, cape crusader. He's all these different things. But my favorite cut of batman is uh detective batman i just I, that's what i always gravitate to and what i do like about it is it is similar to it, it does really feel like a sequel in some ways to year one um and i like that it is 
you know, Batman isn't super, super far in his career, but he's far enough that he has a rogues gallery. And I just love that it's as much about Batman and Gordon. As, and it's really an origin story, a long version of how Harvey Dent falls. It's not just the the scene in the courtroom. It's everything leading up to it. And I, I love that it, it is the story of these three men that band together and say, we're going to we're going to do this no matter what. And by the end of it, one of them, the person that they wanted to push out there as like, this is the guy that's going to save the city is ultimately the one that succumbs to the darkness to try and beat the darkness. Right. The idea that the really the only way to, I don't know, destroy the darkness is really to be at the center of it. You know, you really have to take it in and, you know, you can't you can't just shine a light on it. That's not really yeah. going to do anything. Uh, Eric, I know that uh, like me, uh, this week was when uh, you read this for the first time. And uh, what sort of expectations did you have going in? You know, uh, Eric was uh, Eric. Were, you were on our first show. You read year one with us, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. what I thought. I, I didn't I didn't want to uh, cast aspersions and confuse nah, you nah, for Michael nah, Shirley. Like, People would be very upset if I did that. But I mean, we, we do share a barber and a rabbi. Uh, Obviously, so I, I can understand the, the, the confusion. I, you know, I when I had ordered this. And I go to my Kindle and I realize I, I had ordered this already, like before. I don't know when. So clearly it was on my radar for I don't know how long. Uh, and yet somehow it's one I never got around to reading. And I, it is incredible how you could sort of see the fingerprints of this content. Like you were mentioning, you know, Matt Reeves, Batman, Chris Nolan's Batman. But then also you see the fingerprints of Tim Burton's work on this. You see even the uh, Batman animated uh, show, which, yeah, absolutely. I mean, still, I mean, for so many of us around, you know, Christian, my age, like Kevin Conroy is still in our head, the voice of Batman and probably will always be, you know, and and so like some of the Joker stuff felt very much like if you ever saw the Christmas episode uh, where Joker basically kidnaps everyone and puts on his own show, like there was like kind of references to that, too. So. I mean, considering it had obviously an impact, um, you know, what really struck me at the center of it was it was really emotional. Like, I, I completely agree, Garrett, that the, the detective part of Batman has gotten a little bit of short shift over the years with the films. Um, maybe this last one uh, that Reeves did a bit more than the others. Uh, but this was a really good murder mystery, a detective story, and then a drama uh, some of the chapters about Mother's Day and Father's Day, I, I will admit, kind of kind of stuck with me. Uh, really, I, I actually had the feels for Batman there. I could connect with it uh, in ways that definitely surprised me when I was reading a graphic novel. By the way, this sound effect, you, for those who can see it, uh, what is that sound, gentlemen? So uh, for our audio audience, uh, yes. there's a panel where you can see uh, Batman <laughs> And uh, he's upside down and he's like, Ing! it's basically that. <laughs> yeah, that's, that. it. that's it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah it's Y. -N and for those who can't see it, Y-N-G-G-G-N-N. -N. Yeah. So, well, that at the end is really the <laughs> accentuation. <laughs> 
Yeah. Uh, and I think that, uh, you know, it's interesting because, you know, I, I should uh, also make the point of, uh, well, not my favorite iteration of Bat Mythos, uh, Gotham, the TV series is very heavily influenced by this style. That was sort of one of the things that I meant to say at the top. And uh, they had a season where they, they pulled from elements from this. Uh, but you know, that focus on Jim Gordon, that's a much younger Jim Gordon. That's, yeah. you know, he's not, he's not even a captain at that point, but the idea of so much focus. And I think that was one of the most fascinating things about year one was, you know, just dealing with his private life, which we've seen subsequently in other media, you know, so I can imagine, you know, getting this level of insight, you know, getting the backstory to Harvey Dent, Harvey Two-Face, you know, I think that, uh, it, it's great, too, because I don't know when you were talking about ordering it on your Kindle and it's showing up, Eric, I thought you were going to say and I was like, oh, and it was like 500 pages, you know, because it's 13 books. It's actually, yep. I think, 400. It's almost 400 pages. So it's it's it was a 13 issue because it's the long Halloween. It's a whole year. Right. And, you know, some of the you know, there were holiday themed issues of the original series, which are, uh, you know, uh, reprinted in at least the version, the collection that I got. And uh, it's just, it's it's sort of great to see, you know, you can kind of have that fun, but it's over such a long period of time. It's hard to imagine, you know, stories like that stretching out over a long time, you know, cause even like one of the more seminal stories I refer to a lot would be uh, Spider-Man's uh, Craven's Last Hunt, which was six parts, but it was over two months because it ran through all three Spider-Man books. You know, so you didn't have to wait as long. You just had to wait a few weeks for the next part. It's uh, in, in an age where people are used to binging shows and the idea where you watch a show on a platform that only does it weekly. You know, Eric and I do a Loki after show here on Geekscape and uh, the idea of like, all right, well, we'll see what happens next week instead of like, oh, I just stayed up two more hours, you know, in the middle of the night and finished it. You know, the idea of more than a year to, to finish the story. And, uh, you know, I could imagine it, it, it was fun at that time, you know, the online communities existed, but you know, if you were lingering around your local comic book shop talking about like, you know, four or five months in, so, uh, who's holiday, you know? And, uh, it, it's, I'm glad for my sake, I was able to read it in one collection, you know, <laughs> that I didn't have to right, wait right. that long, yeah. but uh, it, it's, it's just, it's always interesting to, to think about uh, those things. Uh, what did you think Garrett specifically? Let's stay on Jim Gordon for a moment. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, I think that year one is definitely, there's more struggles within Gordon, you know, mm -hmm. his, his home life, his professional life at this point, I think he's married to one, his marriage two married to the job of like somebody has to stand up for Gotham city and it's me, you know? Yeah. Uh, and so I think, you know, he's really more locked in than, than he is perhaps in, in year one. But what do you think about Jim Gordon in, in this story? Oh, I, I love it. I always love Jimbo. Uh, I, what I really like in, in, as you said, it, it really does kind of play off, how things were presented in year one is I like that all three of our, our, you know, our Trinity that are, we're following in this book. They all kind of have different relationships at home. You have Gordon who is, 
he's trying to find that work-life balance. And by the end, we see that there is still love with he and his wife, that he is he's fully committed to her more than he is the job. Um, and then you have someone like Bruce who has he goes home to Alfred, but he he can't quite figure out his relationship with Selena. The entire book, they keep going back and forth, both as as Batman and Catwoman, also as uh, you know, Selena Kyle and Bruce Wayne. And then you have Harvey, who he just completely kind of neglects his wife, aside from like a few little moments. But he ultimately he can't find that balance. And so that's what I really I like that. Ultimately, we got to see three versions of it. But honestly, Gordon is probably the person who has his his crap together the most of the three, uh, which coming off of year one, you maybe don't expect. But I love that, you know, Jim, Jim's got it all figured out in a way. Right. And I think, too, it's like the marriage seems like new enough. Yeah. It's a baby. So mm-hmm. so there's a sense of maybe his wife here a little more patient than yes. she might be yeah. in five years. But also he's still on the flip side, maybe a little bit more in the marriage, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, his balance is, is feels like I, I agree yeah. with you here. It's a little bit more even here. What's interesting too, so you're talking about the sort of the, the three shades of these uh, men and how their their various lives sort of eat at each other. So mm-hmm. you have Harvey Dent, whose wife like idolizes him. Like Bar- uh, Barbara was basically you know, understanding, mm-hmm. but you you could tell she wasn't necessarily gonna. It wasn't going to be limitless, <laughs> her yeah. understanding. And maybe yeah. it's because we do know that marriage will run into trouble down the road. Uh, so that might be adding to the read or my own read of it. But mm-hmm. meanwhile, you had Dent's wife, which, uh, you know, has a great payoff later. The idea that she just, the ground he walks on, she worships him. And is just like the most, you know, dutiful sort of wifey wife you know imaginable yeah. she seemed to look past all the sort of things and problems and then meanwhile you got bruce there is one frame of selena who's basically saying hey we're gonna hang out tonight and in the panel it's like uh he says no i'm like okay yeah. dude what is wrong with you like it is <laughs> the most sexy i've seen selena kyle i think in any batman comic book and he's like nah i gotta go home and uh you know stare at the wall <laughs> and and you're and i'm like yeah i'm like dude come on and but you see right the push and pull within him where he doesn't even know how to commit to anyone at all yeah and uh i think again the the three of them together is what gives this story such a such a surprising dramatic heart at the center of it and how they can't find a way to balance it all so it's like the the long halloween of their own lives just ongoing trying to figure this stuff out you know, the uh, interesting thing that uh, as we were reading it, you know, uh, we're talking specifically about Harvey Dent and his wife. As I'm reading that, I, I was just thinking, you know, I unexpectedly it, it reminded me of, uh, you know, another literary figure that uh, perhaps was uh, not a connection I was expecting to make. You know, there's the idea of like, we'll go, we'll, we'll start a family, we'll have kids when we're ready. And, you know, you're just reading it and it's so sad. And uh, I was not expecting to uh, be uh, transported to, of course, uh, Muppet Christmas Carol with uh, the idea of the older Ebenezer Scrooge being reminded like, oh, yeah, yeah, that that bell girl, boy, she was perfect. All she really wanted was uh, to get married. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just got to you know save some more money. He's like, oh, man, I just got to 
I just got to kill some more uh, crazy, uh, you know, super villains, not even super villains, but, you know, just the, the weirdos in Gotham City. And don't the worry, mom. I'm going to put them away. And, uh, you know, I, it was it, it's, it's very sad and it's a fascinating turn uh, as it goes along. And it's it's tough when a book is 25 or more more years old to say that, you know, do we talk about spoilers or not? But there's a just a tremendous reveal with uh, his wife, uh, you know, with with uh, Mrs. Dent. What was Gilda. her first name? Gilda. Thank Gilda. you. I was just like, I knew it didn't quite fit. You know, <laughs> I was just like, oh, <laughs> Gilda. Was anyone named yeah. Gilda 25 years ago? Uh, Wait, I mean, I, you know, I like Gilda Radner had right? Gilda Radner had passed. passed. Yeah. Right. So uh, I, I, <laughs> I don't know. Every Gilda. once in a while you get that. But one of the things I was sort of touching on earlier was the idea that we get so many characters from the Batman mythos. You get Solomon Grundy. Honestly, he doesn't not need to show up in the story at all, but it's very cool to get him. And I, I mean, did you guys both read this the same way where for this iteration, he had not met Joker before. Did you take it that way as well? Or maybe, uh, you know, it, it was like he knew of yeah. him. It was sort of like talking about the Joker in a way like, oh, I hear about this, you know, sort of at the end of uh, uh, Batman Begins, you know, where he's like, oh, these cards were left around. Hmm. I'll look into this. You know, it was almost more like, oh, I've heard of this Joker. They didn't really seem to know each other. Uh, hmm. Or uh, did it was that was that just me projecting? What do you think, Eric? Oh, you said Eric or Garrett? Yeah, I said. Well, they do sound. Sorry. I said Eric, but uh, oh, there I didn't go. realize. Hit that, yeah, hit that C hard. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to switch the last <laughs> real hard. Uh, yeah, it's funny now that you say it. Like, okay, that actually really makes sense. I, I don't think uh, I was reading some of the sort of uh, an additional material afterwards. Uh, I kind of wanted to go into it a little bit blind. Uh, and yeah. and so afterwards, seeing this idea, it was like kind of like a Batman Year Two. And then when I read that, I'm like, okay, that makes sense because it, it didn't really um, strike me one way or the other. It just because Joker's role in this was so small and kind of almost like off in its own little corner. So what Batman knew of him, I didn't really think about because Batman was so just not even focused on him. Uh, but it, it, I think you probably could make a good argument that, yeah, they haven't really actually dealt with each other yet. But, but it's kind of a nice sense of like, uh, you know, they're going to enter each other's orbits very soon. Yeah. I mean, it is sort of a, it's an interesting moment in their dynamic because in the context of the story, I mean, poison Ivy has a greater impact on the story than Joker does. You know, Joker is one of many more annoyances than anything. Uh, what do you think Garrett, uh, in this uh, of, of Joker, uh, in this book? Uh, I I, I kind of take it in the sense that they've had some clashes, but maybe they haven't had that defining clash. You know, going off of the end of um, year one, there is that sort of tease that there's a guy out there named the Joker. I kind of think yeah. it's like they've they've bumped a few times, but it, they <laughs> haven't really defined that that rivalry. Um, and I, and I, but I like that the Joker is using the story, but I love that it is just. He's used for two holidays, and then you don't see him until the end when all the bad guys, you know, when Dent teams all the bad guys up, uh, which I will say, um, not a criticism, but Jeff Loeb, uh, he also wrote Batman Hush. 
he uh he he kind of reuses the ideas of a big mystery that features every Batman villain and also there's a plot point where Poison Ivy controls someone whose name ends with man for a few issues that's uh, <laughs> a little crutch that he falls back on that I yeah. I realized reading this that that happens later uh just a little aside yeah well you know sometimes if it ain't broke you're not going to fix it but I know what you're saying yeah mm-hmm. uh, yeah it, and it was interesting you know because uh Scarecrow is fairly you know easily pushed aside in in the mm. story and i mean it is interesting because obviously the underworld part of gotham city figures into the, the even the tim burton movies but it wasn't the central focus and i mean if you have to isolate you know if you're if you're only using a sentence to summarize long halloween you have to talk about how it deals with the you know the crime families you know mm-hmm. and you know the the uh, family looking to muscle in from uh, from Chicago, you know, and I, yeah. I always love the distinction that uh, Chicago, New York, Gotham, Metropolis are all separate places, you know, mm-hmm. because I think as as someone who didn't really read DC Comics, I just always felt like, you know, the Gotham was New York and Metropolis was yeah. Chicago, but it's not the case. And if you if you follow the Snyderverse, they're apparently across the bay from each other, <laughs> you know, so. Uh, it only just makes it more confusing as to where <laughs> these places are, you know, but uh, I, yeah. And I mean, and then there's scenes that are, they're obviously, I mean, they're right out of, you know, the Godfather, they're right out of, uh, yeah. you know, numerous Scorsese movies. And I think it's more homage, you know, I don't think it's like, Oh, this worked in that movie. We're going to use it here. You know, I don't think major things, it felt derivative, but uh, what did you think? Uh, Eric, of uh, some of those, some of the nods in there. And I mean, some of the, some scenes that are, you know, several pages long where there's, there's no costume characters. There's no costume characters in their secret identities. You know, these are really, you're like reading, uh, you know, an artistic rendering of uh, basically a, you know, a mob family storyline. When I think they set the table pretty nicely for then what Dark Knight did. Uh, because, I mean, by the way, they actually do have a direct reference to the Godfather. Uh, Try the veal, it's the best of the city. Uh, yeah. I believe is and there was something about a cannoli as well. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. 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 Those, those were two moments, yeah. But, uh, but, but I think, too, you know, to their credit, it wasn't just, like, kind of, like, geeky fandom for the Godfather or for, you know, kind of more generic kind of mobsters, like, you know, I thought the family dynamic was actually really interesting. You know, this idea of these various like kids, you know, of these very powerful people, and who are they, yeah. uh, and and how they're trying to make their kind of own way, and uh, even like having a wedding early on in this thing, right? I mean, that harkens back right there. He does, he does. Come on, Ver- Vernon, have the veal; it's the best in the city. And in fact, the next panel, which I don't think I sent you, Christian was a um, like a medium wide exterior like image of a car outside a restaurant that was almost visually identical to yeah. one of the shots in that sequence in the Godfather. I, but, but I think the family di- dynamics is really what kind of stuck out most was, you know, this sense of like people are losing their loved ones and like feeling it. Like, so even though it is, yeah, you know, almost everyone who shed a tear also shed some blood uh, but the truth is, like, yeah, feel for them. You understand their pain and these two families that uh, maybe would have had a chance to actually become like a super group 
but in essence, all this is tearing them apart. And uh, I, I think they were very smart in how they grounded it in, you know, the very basic elements of family, as opposed to trying to go kind of like all geeky with the, the crime syndicate. Like the mm. actual crime part of it, weirdly enough, it's kind of small. It's a bit off, uh, off panel, I guess I'd, I'd put it. Mm. You know, you don't necessarily see so much the crime dealings, but you see the consequences of what they do. Yeah, what did you think of of the the family dynamic, Garrett? In terms of you know just the uh, you know look when you're telling a story over thirteen issues, you actually have plenty of time in which to try and capture that. You know what uh, what did you think of that as we saw it, Garrett? What I really like is that in a lot of ways, um, the you know the Falcone family is you know they they're running Gotham, and I like that this story really kind of is like the last days of the mob having the grasp on Gotham City. Um, you know they you know Carmine is called the Roman, and uh, Salvatore Moroni is called the Boss. Like they have these little nicknames, but now they're starting to lose their foothold to people like the Joker, the Mad Hatter, like these super criminals are starting to push the, you know, it would, and Batman being around as well, starting to push this old world mentality of what a crime boss is. They're pushing them out and it's like, they're going extinct essentially. Uh, and I, I like that. It is the, the fall of the, the last family that is holding this all together. And that even, you know, it's not super really kind of said in the, this story, but they very much hint at it that, Selena Kyle is the daughter of uh, Carmine Falcone. Um, and even she is, again, she's part of this new breed of criminal. And by the end of the story, she's really, you know, uh, besides someone that is revealed to be alive, she's really the last connection to this crime family that is slowly crumbling from the inside and losing their grasp on Gotham City. Yeah, and I think that, uh, you know, it's, as I referenced, you know, that there's a lot of this that you'll see in Gotham. And I mean, dealing with the actual crime families was a big part, especially in the early seasons. But they immediately got Penguin into it, you know, and right. uh, I am uh, particularly critical of that show because they loved the actor who played Penguin so much, who I think was great that they put Penguin in literally every single episode of the show. And I was like, boy, it would be better if. I don't know, out of a 22 episode season, he was in like 10 or 15, <laughs> you know, it was just like, you don't have to find a way to get him in there every week. And uh, that was, that was one of the things that I, I didn't love about it, but uh, you know, and I think you're, you know, I didn't even think of it until you said it, that this really is the point where crime was run by just, you know, regular people, nobody wearing, well, you know, fancy outfits or or makeup or named after birds or clowns or things. What were you going to say? <laughs> yeah, when also, too, like one of the subplots is like they're actually trying to get tied up with the banks. So it, it's no longer about just like how can they uh, launder their money, you know, uh, through all sorts of nefarious schemes, but they're actually in some ways when you get connected with a legitimate bank, that's, that means you're legitimate. Uh, and you know, the, how much money they burned, by the way, I thought if anything, I, I was hoping that would pay off a little bit more because it, yeah. it is a moment. I mean, dark Knight famously has that too, but mm -hmm. I was like, wow, like they burned a lot of money. Then they didn't really talk about that very much, but that idea of becoming legit. Um, it, I think Christian, we might've talked about the scene, in a different episode, but this great moment in the Sopranos 
when they're trying to shake down a Starbucks that moves to the neighborhood. And it's not called Starbucks, but, you know, no, some yeah. coffee chain. Uh, and Garrett, I don't know if you saw this, but the guys show up and like, yeah, we're here with the Neighborhood Protection Watch. And so in essence, they're just trying to shake him down for protection yeah. money. And the store manager's like, uh, yeah, I can't do that. I can't give you a nickel. They count every bean in corporate. Yeah. And even if you do something to me, then they'll bring in someone else and it's going to be the same story. And the guys come out and they're lamenting. Ah, there's no business anymore for the little guy. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. and so you're right, Garrett. It's like, it is like that swan song. And this came out, I'm sorry, it was middle of the 90s. This so it's 95 into 96. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Right. So, I mean, even like think like Vegas around that time was totally became what it is now. Yeah. Like this sort of very legitimate you know, uh, corporations run by the banks, uh, you know, by the mid nineties, it was the, the sort of gangster foothold there was yeah. gone, long gone. In fact. So yeah, there's not much room for the little guy anymore, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. And I think shame. that, <laughs> I think that becomes an interesting thing about, you know, Batman, you know, he's really the Batman still in a lot of ways, you know, it, it's, you know, Gotham city at this point, it's, I don't know. I feel like at this point that the story happens, you could live in Gotham City and and just somehow, you know, you don't you don't read the papers or whatever. You don't actually know about the Batman, you know, whereas like a lot of times when we see him in the movies, like everybody knows, you know, mm, what yeah. he is. And it, you know, it's further along than year one, but it's so interesting that he's yeah. not as well established, you know. And I like the scene where he goes to the bar where he's like, yeah, I'm here during the day. Usually he doesn't use the word shtick, but he's like, yeah, usually my shtick plays better at night. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, I can see it. It's like, it's like, oh, look, Adam West just walked in here. You know, <laughs> it's like I can I can see everything about him. He's not hiding in the shadows, hmm. you know. And uh, yeah, I think that. Uh, there's there's definitely a lot of uh, fun things that they deal with. Um, I think that, you know, because it was a, this serialized, drawn out story that was conceived over 13 parts, it is it has a good degree of of, of really mystery and, and suspense from chapter to chapter, issue to issue uh, in terms of what it is. Uh, did uh, did anybody did either of you guys feel like you had an idea who holiday was and they were always, even when calendar man would say, well, he is very lucky for her that, you know what I mean? Right, like right, even right. calendar man was just, well, it was right. Actually calendar man yeah. seemed to know that there were two of them actually, you know? Uh, but I'll ask you first, Garrett, you know, I, it, well, did you know going into this, like, had you had like the ending sort of figured out from something else or did you actually not know who holiday was when you started? Reading? No, when, when I went in, I, I had no idea. All I knew going in was that it was heavily pulled from, and I knew that calendar man featured heavily in it. Um, you know, I mostly knew calendar man from the, the Batman Arkham game series. Um, and so, that was really my I, I didn't know. Uh, and yeah, I was very much surprised, especially with the, you know, they present somebody and then there's a switch. And then even at the end, when we are when we're just kind of told all the details in uh, in, you know, thought bubbles, basically, um, we were all there is also a third person that that is put forth that maybe it was actually three people and that one person wasn't doing it the whole time and someone else stepped in. So I had I was completely I had no idea. Yeah, I think that uh, there's a, a couple of uh, misdirects and redirects all the way through to the end. You know, I mm -hmm. think that uh, that's usually 
you know, when you have the feeling that uh, the the third uh, party is definitely getting away with it, you know, yes. because the second party made sure, you know, and some yeah. you've you've seen that in, in other things. What did you think, uh, Eric, as you were going through? Did you uh, did you have like a Charlie from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia board where you were putting all your theories as to who Holiday was and following all the strings, trying to figure it out? Most of that energy is right now dedicated to trying to figure out what's in Loki sauce. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know if I have much bandwidth uh, for anything else. I, I, I have to admit, when I, when I read mystery stories, detective stories, when I watch the films, I, I don't necessarily sit there and actively try and figure out who did it. I, I will admit, like, I know some people are sitting there, even my, 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 my younger son, you know, will come in and and more times than not, if we're watching something like that, he's, he kind of figures it out fast, which means he's either going to be a great detective or, or worse, potentially a fabulous criminal. Uh, so um, I, I really would. I, I love that image. Uh, I yeah, would leave it up Charlie, for, a while. <laughs> for those not seeing it, uh, Charlie doing his Charlie thing. Uh, with, with papers everywhere and his eyes bugging out wildly. Yeah. There's just uh, so some some memes live on for a reason. And I'm sorry, finish right. your thought, Eric. Oh yeah, no, I uh, I was suspecting it was a female, but it, it did seem like they leaned a little hard into the uh, the aunt and the daughter. So yeah. uh, we we're talking was it Carla and Sofia Gigante, or you know who, by the way, I love those characters so much that part of me kind of wanted them to be it, but yeah. uh, I, I would have been off by uh, by many miles had I actually <laughs> guessed. So it's good. It's good. I'm not, I don't have that Charlie in me. Now there's a, there's an animated uh, film of this, which um, if I had, uh, you know, tackled this appropriately, I would have watched uh, before this instead of, you know, finish reading it this afternoon. Um, so I'd be intrigued to see how it translates because it would then beg the question they were talking about elements of this. I don't think it translates well into a movie because like you would have to skip holidays. And that's sort of the whole point is it's over a long time. I think it would very much work as like a 13 part miniseries. Well, on HBO max, I assume is where it would go, you know? Uh, but obviously Batman really gets saved for the big screen. Cause even, you know, we've talked about Gotham. He's not Batman in that, you know, I mean, it's like about Gotham before Batman, even though they try to bring a lot of Batman in because, you know, it's like the, the Krypton show. It's like, what if, what if you get Superman without Superman? Well, this is Batman without Batman. So it doesn't always work. I think that's why stories like this in year one are so interesting. Uh, but I, I wouldn't want to see that, like, you know, Matt Reeves, like third movie is is long Halloween because I'm just like, well, the the last one was three hours. So, well, this would be seven. <laughs> I, I can't even imagine telling telling the story in that well, way. Christian, but, did you did you get No, I was just going to ask you, did you? guess or were you mm -hmm. trying to guess i i got convinced in the middle of it that it was harvey dent um because okay. uh because batman was so sure you know mm -hmm. and it, even it's not it's one of the last few issues gordon's like you knew that didn't you why didn't you tell me anything and he's just like because i'm hoping i'm wrong you know so uh the, it started to seem that way and it would be great to you know not have had multiple instances in my life where I know that Harvey Dent becomes two face, 
you know, because if you can, if you can believe in Harvey Dent as like, Oh, this is the DA who actually is going to clean up Gotham city, you know, and there's no notion of him going astray at any point for any reason, whatever's thrown in his face, whatever, you know, coins he, he gets into his possession. Uh, it, it would probably be harder to believe, but be knowing where he's going, I think sort of uh, clouded it. Um, but yeah, so, uh, and anybody who is uh, taking this in uh, after the fact or in the live chat now, uh, let us know if you, if you read this and you had thoughts, if you haven't read this, we're doing our best to not spoil <laughs> it for you. Um, I would, uh, I would definitely encourage it. I think uh, anybody who listened to our first show and, and did read uh, year one, this would be a great follow up for it. Mm -hmm. um, I have I have not read uh, year two and I believe there was also a year three. I haven't I haven't read any of that stuff. I have not read a lot of Batman. Um, mm -hmm. I liked the uh, recent series they did, which was called Batman 1989, which like continued the uh, the Tim Burton verse. If mm -hmm. it had stayed like that before becoming the Schumacher verse, as it were. And, uh, I, you know, but in terms of Batman stories, I mean, I, you know, I mean, when I was when I was a kid, you know, the, the X-Men had been around only 25 years. I felt like I could wrap my head around it. But when I was a kid, Batman had already been around for 50 years. Yeah, I mean, it was just that simple, you know, and it's like, oh, where do I start? But uh, I, I'm very glad to, uh, you know, have this show as an excuse to, you know, the whole concept of the show is, is to uh, read stuff like this. Uh, we talked about Catwoman a little bit earlier. Uh, or as, uh, as as Christopher Walken refers to her, Catwoman. Uh, we talk about Catwoman <laughs> in this. And, you know, uh, Eric, you said something uh, that I was thinking about when you said it. You know, there was the idea that, you know, she's presented in this way where she's, you know, never come off as as sexier as Catwoman. And, and I was thinking, yeah, it's like she's, you know, Julie Newmar, Lee Merriweather, and Eartha Kitt, like all like exponentially somehow they packed everything about each of them into <laughs> the best one. of each of them, the best of each of them. And, you know, look, those, those are my cat women. All right. Uh, if somebody's, somebody's got mm -hmm. Michelle Pfeiffer, uh, you know, and, and Zoe Kravitz was actually fantastic. I'm i uh, I'm a bit critical of the Matt Reeves movie, but uh, I thought that casting was actually great. I thought she was phenomenal in it. Um, but uh, I think that, she's she does show up a lot you know and and i love when mm -hmm. it's not bruce batman asks her like why are you always uh showing up every time i get near him and it's like well why are you here you know like why are you showing up so often yeah. you know it's like i'm just here when you are you know uh what do you think garrett about uh, catwoman in in this you know i mean she does show up a lot of times but each appearance mm -hmm. is pretty pretty short even as selena kyle yeah, I really enjoy it because, you know, you get to see her, you know, as Selena Kyle, she's trying to, uh, you know, maybe pursue something with Bruce, but obviously he's just, he's too entrenched in what's going on with Holiday. So then even when she's, you know, as Catwoman, it's almost like you can tell she wants to get involved in this situation and she doesn't really, you know, she saves Bruce from uh, poison Ivy. She kind of interjects. That's really the only time she does something that's not related to uh, Carmine. And yeah, you, I like that the story doesn't straight up just tell you that she's, she believes that Carmine is her father that and there's this own, she has her own push and pull in this whole story of, 
do I get involved? Do I stay out of it? Am I pursuing Bruce Wayne? Why am I pursuing Bruce Wayne if that's the case? What what is she's kind of trying to figure out like like I was saying how the old crime is out and the new crime is there. She's kind of stuck in between because she is a costume criminal, but she is also maybe related to this this family that runs the city and by the end of it she's kind of the last person that's related to it and so she's kind of like caught in between the new gotham and the old gotham that are kind of warring against each other in the story christian you muted oh i think you muted what christian meant to say was... no 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 <laughs> but for our visual audience this is a panel uh, that has catwoman and and batman and eric you actually sent this uh, panel uh, so that's uh, why I think we'll start there, and then your thoughts on uh, on Catwoman. So this is one of their many. Uh, I, I don't even know if in most cases you call it fights, right? Because mm. it's a, I don't know. It's it's like uh, well, a fair it's, amount of hugging, it, a fair amount of hugging. It, with them. Yeah, it, it's like, it's like sparring. You know, it's yeah, the yeah, yeah. Uh, the the Fox Daredevil movie. Basically, they don't do Daredevil and Elektra don't fight really. You know, or, it, I, or I'm gonna I'm gonna go real old school on you here. When uh, Mike Tyson fought James Bonecrusher Smith. And all he did was tie him up the whole fight. <laughs> so he didn't actually have a chance at knocking him out. Yeah. And, and so this line here, uh, curiosity killed the cat, but satisfaction brought her back. Uh, it, it, it did remind me of the, some of those great exchanges between Michelle Pfeiffer and uh, Michael Keaton and Batman Returns, which I, I will always defend. I think Batman Returns was a better film than Batman from 1989. And I will. I will. I, I guess I'll fight people on that, but I would. I, I would hug them closely. I. I wish I had that. I I had that drop of Homer Simpson of ooh hot take because uh, <laughs> I would definitely hit it right now. But I don't. I don't. I don't have those kind of drops. Uh, I, I, you know, not on but, this but show. Sentiment is felt. I think. Yes. I, you know, we get it. Uh, and, and and I found like their exchanges a couple times. I was like, wait, do they know who each other is? Yeah, because it seemed to, and they even repeated certain lines again in that way that in Batman returns is the reason, you know, Batman and Catwoman figured out who the other was. They actually did that once or twice, but uh, I do think with the, her saving Bruce Wayne from poison Ivy, uh, which I thought was a great little moment there, you know, it, it did seem still like they maybe were pretending, but at least put up the charade of like, not quite knowing who the other is, but yeah, their exchanges in both, Selena, Bruce, and Batman Catwoman style, I thought was was great. And, you know, their sort of push and pull of, like, you, you feel like what makes them such a fascinating couple is why they could never be a couple. It's because they're yeah. just too similar. Right, exactly. And, and uh, uh, you know, I mean, I feel, I, I, I feel like now we have to shout out, uh, you know, Anne Hathaway in uh, Dark Knight Rises. And uh, do we have to talk about Halle Berry? I feel like we shouldn't. You know, I think we should draw the line there. You know, we've mentioned, we've mentioned right. basically all the, all the cat women. Uh, and uh, there, there's, of course, the young Selena Kyle on Gotham, but she's not actually Catwoman. I think she just has like a headband with cat ears, you know, but uh, it's, a, it's a very different, uh, you know, aspect of it. But yeah, it, it is such an interesting character and what makes the character, obviously she's interesting on her own, but just sort of the fact that she seems to 
very often have the upper hand on Batman in terms of the very least being able to get away with him, get away from him when he's not expecting it. You know, there's a, yeah. there's a couple of those. And uh, yeah, that that's probably the uh, the most fun, uh, you know, here. I, I thought in the book mm. was watching the the two of them. Is there a character for you, Garrett, that uh, stands out? Somebody that we haven't talked about yet, uh, maybe a, a minor character or or someone that I'm just uh, that I'm just missing at this point. Here. Uh, I really did. I, I really enjoy uh, Sophia. I really like that she has this return to Gotham. We learned that she has this relationship with Salvatore Moroni, which I just love to say. I love Salvatore Moroni's name. Anytime it gets brought up in a Batman thing, I just love the name Salvatore Moroni. It's just the best. It's almost um, like you have yeah. to do it in, in sort of like the caricature of like Salvatore Moroni. You know, you have to your <laughs> fingers up like that. You have to say it like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Geekscape yeah. does not approve of the mockery of Italian. You're right. No, the, the yeah, that's right. If, if you want If you want mockery of Italian-Americans, go to Tukey Soup. But what were you going to mm-hmm. say, Garrett? Yeah, I just, I really like that it is, you know, she returns. Uh, you kind of get the sense that, she was going off and doing her own thing, but the the crumbling of her family kind of brings her back. She wants to be at her father's side, and I, I think one of the one of the um, the kind of saddest moments in the whole book is when uh, she, on Father's Day at the very end of that issue, she's giving she gives him a card like and she says Happy Father's Day, Papa, and he just says I appreciate the gesture, and he just kind of walks off, and then yeah. we see that uh, you know that Selena is obviously out there watching, and she's not getting to experience that. Um, I, I yeah, just that, I really that, that's that's character. one of those scenes that would make Harry Chapin cry and just throw his hands up and like <laughs> I, I can't even I mean come on sorry yeah. what were you saying Gary <laughs> no no yeah I just I really like Sophia uh, I was sad that she you know she didn't make it out of this story uh, spoilers but uh, yeah. not related to holiday but uh, well actually uh, but it was a non-holiday <laughs> death I should say but uh, yeah I really I really did enjoy her injection to the story. Uh, let's uh, talk about you know some of the 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 deaths and it happens in a very stylized way uh, and this is the uh, Thanksgiving one that uh, mm-hmm. Eric had highlighted and uh, you know they're often black and white I think they're always black and white yeah. you know and it's sort of a very with, stylized with like a splash choice. of color with a splash mm-hmm. of color in this in this play uh, in this case the cornucopia the horn o plenty as it were which i believe was uh, eric's nickname in college horn o plenty but you have uh, and i guess i don't know it's a choice and i feel like we've seen it before the switching to black and white i guess it makes it uh, you know it makes it it calls attention to it but it makes it less gory to look at i guess because ultimately Despite what any uh, any of us uh, man children might say, comic books are a medium for children. This yes. story is certainly not one. I'm not going to go toss this on my eight, eight year old's bed and be like, "Have at it," you know. But <laughs> yeah, maybe when he's 12, I don't know. But actually, I, in the middle of that thought, Eric, uh, do you feel like either of your kids would appreciate this? Is it a little bit beyond them? And uh, tell our audience how how old they are for way of comparison. So that then when my kids get taken away from me, we'll know why. Now, but my boys are 12 and 15, and I'd have no qualms with them reading this, actually. I mean, my 12-year-old my is, he was supposed to see, as they as, as these kids call it, the FNAF, uh, Five Night at Freddy's. Uh, oh. And, yeah, they call it the FNAF. I, or maybe FNAF. I didn't even I don't realize know. they called it the FNAF. Okay. FNAF. And and so, yeah, no, I mean, th- this would be nothing to, to, watch, yeah. to read this. Uh, and, and I think the... 
you know, the violence is sort of stylized enough as well that it, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's a little bit gory, but, you know, it's not like uh, the boys or Generation V where they're just yeah. like, you know, you ever want to see what a body looks like when it explodes from someone <laughs> on the inside expanding quickly? Well, there you go. Uh, well, so, yeah, yeah and I, especially, I, you know, I mean, yeah, I was in middle school the first time I saw, you know, the Nightmare on Elm Street movies and things like that. Oh, and God, now course. kids kids have stuff like, you know, Walking Dead on television. You know, I mean, I, yes, I, it's it, cable television. But honestly, know, if it yeah. keeps them from the real creepy stuff out there, I'll take it. <laughs> like you want to read this and that means you're not yeah. surfing on the on the web. Please. Thank it, you. It's a it's a great point. But from sort of a, the, the storytelling choice, uh, let's uh, focus on that for a moment. Moment, Eric, yeah. you know, yeah, calling yeah. attention to it, but also maybe as as I, I stated, it does make it less gory, but it also makes it sort of more poignant, aka more artistic, right? Yeah, it, what I think too, my my older son, you know, we recently like watched Heat, so I think he's gotten a little bit more into this notion of like a crime saga, and I th- I feel right. like this falls under that category. Um, in fact, he's calling me as we speak. Uh, you <laughs> because know, he, he's like, he's like, great. Can I read Batman Long Halloween? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it's on your Kindle twice for some reason. <laughs> yeah, can, I borrow your, can I borrow your Blockbuster card? Um, <laughs> so I, I, I think like the epic scope of this, though, is done in such a way. I think the the holidays makes it a little more accessible. Uh, I you mentioned before something I was going to say that this would be an amazing miniseries. You know, yeah. a limited series on HBO Max. I completely agree. Like, you know, in the way that maybe Justice League, you know, the Snyder version should have been. Like, I think this lends itself perfectly to it. It's really like I think it takes advantage of episodic storytelling very smartly. Um, I love that sense of you know, even though we uh, all read it in the course of you know maybe a, a day or two or a handful of hours, like I think you could really feel that sense of the passage of time. And, uh, you know, and it was a way of maybe for a younger reader, a way to digest the storytelling more so than if it was written in a way of like The Godfather or Godfather 2. Hmm. Or The Godfather 3. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's, let's make you sure. Mean, you mean the only real God, hot take, only real Godfather. <laughs> hot take, yeah, that that is, but I, yeah. And I, I think that the, you know, the artistry, uh, you know, it, it's, it is one of the things about uh, comic books that, you know, it, it has over some of these other mediums, you know, sort of some of the, the images, like, you know, what we're looking at on the screen right now. What did you think about that Garrett, as you were reading it? Uh, to put on my, my film school hat from what I learned in color theory, what I like to look at it as is, is black and white because uh, they're kind of presenting it in a, you know, this is a very black and white world. It, it is this, it, is this a bad deed? Is this a good deed? Uh, you know, there's no, there, and then there are shades of gray, even in the, the coloring to kind of like, you know, we're bad people are dying, but is that, I mean, these are guys that rough up people, they kill people for money. And I think it's presenting that, that kind of idea that, this is a black and white world. This is a black and white crime that's happening. Some people see it as good. Some people see it as bad. That's how I, I just even sitting here right now thinking about it. That's how I kind of view these, these dips to black, white, gray, and then obviously whatever kind of color is related to either the crime or the holiday that's going on. 
Yeah, no, I think that, uh, you know, the, the visual representation throughout, you know, yes. And the individual issues, you know, the, the February issue, it's pink and it has a heart, the the March it's green for, uh, for St. Patrick's day, you know, and it's all very well reflected. And, uh, I think that, uh, you know, there obviously was, uh, some great care put into the way it was presented and, uh, you know, it's, uh, yeah. So if, uh, I, I'm very intrigued to see how the, I guess it was direct to DVD market, but I, I'm pretty sure it's probably streaming at this point, but I would be very interested in seeing it. I believe it's a two part movie because mm-hmm. it is so long, but, uh, I would be very interested in checking that out. Uh, what are our, uh, sort of final thoughts, uh, takeaway here our, our Jerry Springer final thought for the moment, uh, Eric, <laughs> uh, we've talked a little bit about the legacy of this book, sort of the way it, we, you know, each connected with it and you know i mean i think it, it really does capture the feel of when batman works it's stories that are told in this way that's at least my opinion what uh what are you thinking uh, you know as as we summarize this eric yeah i think it's a good reminder of why batman uh, more than any superhero character is the one that seems to constantly get rebooted rewritten redone reimagined because you realize like the world they've created with Gotham um, with, you know, people on both sides of the law, like from the police to the gangsters to the more colorful villains, it, it, it's such a broad spectrum. Uh, even like Solomon, Gun- uh, Solomon Grundy, who, um, you know, that's a character who usually, you know, not, not too much character depth to a Solomon Grundy, but then even the way they used him here where like uh, Bruce calls him like a lost soul. And yeah. then delivered him like a, a, a panel I, I really was floored by. He delivered him a Thanksgiving meal. Yeah. And and that sounds cheesy until you look at that moment in the comic book and you realize it's yeah. not. And, and I think that's the thing this comic does well. Like it. Yeah. Joker shows up. Scarecrow shows up. But they show up in a way where it didn't feel like fan service. It felt like, yeah, inevitably, if you hang out in Gotham for 13 months, you are going to come across these various characters. Uh, but but I think what's so strong in that storytelling is it, it didn't get in the way of really this wonderful mystery that was at the center of it, one that it sounds like it, none of us really guessed who the killers yeah. actually were. Uh, and, you know, I would have been interested to see what it was like to read this one issue at a time, I'm glad I didn't have to because, yeah, I tore through this. Like this was, of I think all the books we've read in this uh, book club, uh, this is one I definitely, I think I read the fastest just in terms of like, I didn't want to stop reading it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I I think uh, the uh, George Perez Wonder Woman was the slowest uh, just because it was so dense. I thought the artwork was beautiful, but uh, they, you know, I I think, uh, you know, Chris Claremont and the tone would of it those was pages little... and say, uh, yeah, probably too many words on it. I'm sorry, what were you going to say? <laughs> we, and I remember the tone of that one. It got yeah. really weirdly dark at times, too. This one, somehow, I think it managed to find a really interesting tone that permeated all 13 issues. It didn't feel, you know, like we've had this issue with some of the MCU shows we've watched recently, where every episode is like, wait, wait is this the same show? Uh, but yeah. this one here, it all felt very much like a very singular vision all throughout. Right. And and I think when you have two creators who are assigned to a project, you're able to have them spend, you know, 
possibly even more than a year on it. Sure. But, you know, when, you know, some of the best arcs that are told, you know, in regular issues of a monthly book, a lot of times, you know, you have fill in artists and there's some great stories that just inconsistent the inconsistency of the artwork more recently mm -hmm. things i've read from marvel it's just so disappointing there are times where you'll like click on to the next issue or, or flip it open however you're reading it and you go oh my god who drew this you know this is not, not the issue at all in this but uh there are things that i've read where i'm like oh man i really wish they had the same creators for that uh same question for you garrett as uh, as you kind of look back on this you know looking at it again now and having read it a, a year ago uh, what are, do you feel like for you personally, the, uh, the enduring legacy is of Batman along Halloween? I think it's one of those, you know, seminal books that you're always told about, uh, that, you know, sometimes you maybe have a, a sort of, you're kind of worried to read it, to see if it lives up to the legacy that's been built from it. You know, you hear that so many things pull from it and you're kind of worried, like, am I going to read this and it not really connect for me? But for myself, I, I think it, it is one of those ones. It's like a Watchmen where where you read it and you're like, there's a reason why it is spoken of so highly. It yeah. is just it's this lovely epic. Like it truly is an epic told over the span of a year that is just about a crime family falling, uh, but a new breed of crime rising. It's about three men who have kind of varying degrees of justice um, and, and what the line is. And it, it's just this beautiful tale that weaves in all these different things uh things of like family and living up to legacy and what legacy is and do the sins of the father impact the you know the children and what it you know just all these things and i just love how it all coalesces um there's also a um there is a quasi sequel it, i think it is treated as a sequel uh Loeb and sale both return for it. it's called batman dark victory it's sort of it takes place after this and it's the the origin of this universe is robin uh the, you know the it tell it retells the tale of dick grayson um and i that's the book i very much uh i've tried to seek out i will say if you're going to read this book for the first time or dark victory or something i read it like i mentioned like batman hush uh i think this is a case where you maybe want to do your due diligence and do some research into um one of the creators i would say jeff Loeb. Uh, you know there's been some things in recent years that um Sometimes you have to figure out if you can separate the the artist from the art. I think that uh, whether you're going to pick up this book, Dark Victory, whatever, I think you should uh, do that due diligence. But just looking at the art, this book is incredible. I, and I, I very much hits that sweet spot of what I look for in a Batman story. And I'll second, by the way, Hush. I, I really enjoyed yeah, that, that one. That's actually one of these I would like to do uh, somewhere down the road. We can't, uh, you know, I think Batman's about once a year, but uh, mm -hmm. I would like to get to that. And uh, the artwork is one of the reasons why I, I do something I usually never do on streams that I do and uh, pop myself out because <laughs> I want to be able to, uh, you know, show off the artwork. It's a lot easier to get rid of Eric, you know, and uh, show it off. But uh, I, do, I do like to show it. Uh, anyway, it was a, a wonderful read and a great chat with uh, all of you uh you know the uh the next installment of the geekscape book club uh i believe will end up being in early december and uh i am uh, thinking of doing something uh, holiday themed and uh, that would be uh, tom king's vision which uh there are elements to this which was very well represented in wandavision uh but just the first few episodes so uh that is something that uh and and look, I actually took this out of the library. 
the Burbank Library. And look, wait, look at that. Uh, so Garrett's got it right there. You can keep holding those up. Uh, yeah, see, look, he's got it right there. So perfect. Um, yeah, that's look what yeah, I got. Not even planned. Not even planned. Do you have Power Pack number one? Yeah. I, of course, also have Power Pack number one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, si- signed by Louise Simonson. But, Mine uh, is yeah, too. Oh, you got to be kidding me. Yeah. Well, all right. Wow. Wow. All it's right. amazing. So, that, us got so that flex backfired, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no, oh, no. You goodness. just flexed us it, deeper into our own geekdom. Should and I, if, should if, I if lie and, and say it's it, also it, signed by signed by artist June Brigman? It's not. But uh, if she were ever doing a signing, I'd have her sign that in Uncanny X-Men 204. But that being a big, uh, a, a big nerd flex, uh, that'll be our next installment. And uh, I was very excited that this was... Uh, on hand at the library. So this is going to be one of those instances where I read the book uh, way before uh, we actually do the show. So mm-hmm. uh, follow us on social media to uh, get the exact date on that when we'll be uh, streaming the conversation live. Uh, and, uh, you know, Eric has uh, had an idea that uh, maybe we can, maybe in a future episode, we'll just put aside some time. Maybe we'll talk about the animated version along Halloween. Have you ever seen that Garrett? I have. Yes. Uh, okay. Is yes. it is it worth our watching and uh, just spending a few minutes on, or is it gonna is it gonna uh, to to talk around it? Uh, just uh, strike solidarity wise, I will say yes, and I think uh, I think it would be very interesting to do it. Uh, okay. I, I, there, it's one of those adaptations where you kind of you hope that changes are made, and obviously some changes are made from medium to medium. But sure. uh, the it's also fun to watch if you're someone who already knows the mystery. I would I would say right. the mystery itself is different. Yeah, I I actually thought that uh, you know the the Killing Joke animated movie that came out with a few years ago, people uh, there was a, a pretty tremendous negative backlash. But in yeah, general, yeah. I thought the the parts that were adapted from the story, I thought they did a great job with. Um, but uh, Eric might, uh, sorry, Garrett might feel differently. No, I think he uh, just got connected, disconnected. Um, but uh, when he comes back, yeah, there he goes. Sorry, like, my, oh my god, my talk about it. Yard is weird. Sorry, <laughs> yeah, it's all right. I think it even changed your audio source. But that's right. We're uh, we're uh, wrapping up. Uh, and uh, in terms of reading, we did a uh, special episode of Marvel Movie Talk uh, right here on Geekscape earlier in the week. Uh, we do weekly Friday episodes talking about Loki, but uh, we did a special where we talked to uh, Andrew Demand, who wrote, who runs the Claremont Run uh, Twitter page. It's all, it's actually uh, a research project that he got a grant for in Canada, uh, and the book, the Claremont Run: Subverting Gender in the X Men. We did a special on that, and uh, Eric, you were there. Uh, I am already thinking like I could have done five parts on mm-hmm. on that, you know, uh, and yeah, talked I mean, about it. It's really in-depth uh, research, but the books actually also, you know, I think as I was, you know, per our last interview with him, you know, it, it, it's also like very accessible. Like you don't yeah. just read this and feel like you're looking at graphs and feel like you're in like, I don't know, an economics course or something like it actually was done really <laughs> smartly. And it made, as I was telling you guys last time, it made me actually rethink like that when I was reading comic and looking how characters were dressed. Like yeah. I found myself focusing on that, even with this there's, read. So there's a lot of yeah. There's a there's a section that focuses on uh, torn, uh, clothing. torn clothing. Uh, yes. So, uh, but uh, you can uh, find that here on the Geekscape YouTube channel, and uh, it'll be up on the uh, Marvel Movie Talk audio feed before too long. 
just like our show, which we talk Loki every Friday at uh, noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern. So please uh, join us for that. As we're recording this, we have two more episodes of Loki, and uh, we're looking forward to talking about that. Uh, and of course, you can find me Twitter, Instagram at Christian DMZ, my personal podcast, The Blackcast, B L A D T C A S T. And who are these broadcasters? Tuesday afternoons on the Who Are These Podcasts YouTube channel. Lots of promotion. But Eric Connor, where can you be found? Uh, you can find me at Count Eric Connor over at Instagram and over at the X. I hang out there. You're welcome to say hello. Yes, the, the big X. And Garrett, where uh, can we find you? That's what I was uh, going to ask. Thank you for beating me to power. the punch. Yeah. Full I of, care uh, about funny. Garrett. Thank you, uh, Garfield. Um, so you can find <laughs> me uh, on uh, at at not just a guy prod. That is my quote unquote production uh, entity. That is where my my podcast, not just a guy, is putting out new episodes. Uh, you, that's on Instagram, X, uh, and uh, Tic Tac. Um, and <laughs> this uh, this Halloween, this Tuesday, we have a new episode uh, with Sad Girl Cinemas, Caitlin Scardino and balanice they are two filmmakers uh they run their own production company they are great gals had a great talk with them following week november 7th i have ken knapsack of the knapsack network force center uh a, a long running uh broadcaster and podcaster have him on so some very fun episodes are coming up in the next two weeks well that sounds great and everybody uh make sure they uh they follow garrett so that they can be on top of everything and uh we'll be back uh, next time talking vision uh, and uh, as always, as long as they keep writing, we'll keep reading them, and we'll see you guys next time. See see you men, women, children, and everyone next time. I don't want to just say Halloween. see you guys. I was talking to these two guys, but I also <laughs> want to see all of you next time. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 